Uh, we've been talking about money and generosity for a little while now. We've been on this wonderful journey. Some of the things that we've been talking about. Um, these pictures here, if you look over there, there's two people. Well, it's actually three people over there in one person. It is actually Mr. Graham Wilson who comes early every week with his wife to set up for your hospitality. Amazing man. He's also called Seraph. What's he called? Seraphim. But he's actually called the Doodle Man. Every week, he listens in, and then he puts words into pictures that people can get. So sometimes after I've preached, I'm like, what was that about? And I'll see a picture, I'm like, oh yeah, I get it. So these are some pictures from the last few weeks, what Graham's done. We've talked about generosity. We've talked about how generosity is set in the goodness of God. We can't talk about money or anything unless we know the goodness of a good Good Father. We talked about how we're going to bless the whole city. One of the weeks we talked about how Jesus is on this um, bus, ding, ding, and he's going around the different cul-de-sacs, inviting us to get on board and leave the cul-de-sac of debt, the cul-de-sac of despair, the cul-de-sac of an orphan heart, and get on the bus with Jesus because he wants to take us to a street called Generous. And on this street of generosity, this street is so lush and green and beautiful, it's actually spreading out and bringing life to the whole of the city. So we've talked about this journey on their letting go of greed, and as you let go of greed, it let goes of you as well. Talks about security and, and how money is either a master or a servant as well. And we talked about how Jesus is just a better master. Right? The Bible talks about how money can be a master, or Jesus can be a master. And Jesus is just a better master. But, we mentioned this last week, when we talk about kings getting replaced, there can be a tussle. The king of money doesn't want to give up the throne in our hearts easy. So last week we said, fasten your seatbelts, there will be some turbulence. There will be some tension. And yet that's what one of the things what I think was broken last week. And that evidence of broken stuff was when there's splashes of generosity. So I know in this room that your generosity can never be contained to a couple of Tweety bags. Your generosity can never be contained only to a standing uh, gift aid at your local church. I know there's generosity around in this room. So where are we going today? If that's what we've been talking about, money. And just one thing that we've said every week, but I want to say it again. If we're starting to talk about money and your heart is just filling with more and more fear, we want to let you know that you're not alone. Phil Askew last week stood here and spoke bravely about his journey of being 17 17 grand, was it? 17 grand in debt. And now he's one of the most generous people I know. If you are in debt, then help is just a conversation away. I'm probably not the best person to speak to, but speak to someone. If you can't find somebody to speak to, find your small group leader or come and grab me. Someone grab somebody. But help is only a conversation away. You are not alone. And in um, September, we're going to be starting some money courses and different things. So there's much in store for us. So where are we going to today? 
<laughs> I don't think anybody noticed, love, you're all good. It's a bit awkward when your wife is playing games on the phone when you're meant to be speaking. <laughs> so where are we going today? Well, it starts on this reality. We have only one life to live. And this life that we have right now is a precious life as a gift from the Heavenly Father wedged between two eternities. This is not a dress rehearsal. This is not a preview. This is it. I am 43 years old and I'm never going to get 42 again. This is my life. This is your life. We've got one opportunity to sing it. One song to sing and we've an opportunity here and now to do it. So we're on this adventure about what it means to live the life that God intended us to live. Not a life that the adverts have told us about, not a life that the other people have told us to live, but what is the life that each one of us, that God has got for us. So as we talk about um, money and things like that, we could have easily gone today about how to budget and how to handle the small things like that, which is vitally, vitally important. But that will come in September. But what we're going to do today is take a step back and put money in the context of the word stewardship. See, because this is not really just about money. That's one of the first things we said about money. Money is just, um, money is a bit like a looking glass into our hearts. And we can kind of really see what's going in our hearts about how we handle money, or how money handles us. So we want to put money in the context of stewardship. Let me ask you a question. To what do you see? An apple. What else do you see? See the artwork on the side of it, the shape of it. To what do you see? Lots of seeds. Look harder. You see food. Look further. What do you see? You see an orchard. See, all of those things you've just said are right. But this here, in my hand, if I steward this well, I could feed a nation. If I steward this well. And here I am today to declare to you that God has put something in each and every one of your hands that if you steward it with generosity, heavenly wisdom, and a kingdom perspective, the impact will outlast you and will shift a city. Let me say all that again. God, individually, has gone round to each one of us and has put something in our hand. And if we steward it with wisdom, heavenly perspective, and generosity, we will see exponential kingdom growth and impact. My question to you is, what's in your hand? What is in your hand? 
that you know is a gift. Let me just read this. This is from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. So I don't know what is in your hands. I don't know if it's a hammer to build. You may see a hammer and go, oh, hello, demolition. I don't know what is in your hand. I don't know if it's a fishing net in your hand. I don't know. I was looking for my tennis racket, but I only found Rhoda's old school hockey thing. Or is it a dentist thing? I don't know. But I don't know what God has put in your hand. But I do know he's put something in your hand. And whether it's a tennis racket or a hammer or 10 pounds, God is wanting you to steward it in such a way that will build his kingdom. Now, I've started with my conclusion because I often don't get there. Let me just go back to the start. Psalm 24 says this. Because we sometimes have this thing that talking about money. <laughs> Always interesting things in my pocket. This is my money. That, oh, this is my money. But it's not my money. And it's not even the Queen's money. It's the King's money. This is God's money. All I am. All I am is a steward of his money. And one sense, it makes no difference if it's one pound, ten, two pounds, twenty, or if it's two million. Let me read this to you from Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world and all who live in it. So we are called to steward or to manage that which ultimately belongs to God. God has graciously entrusted us with the care, development and enjoyment of everything he owns. He has given us responsibility to manage his holdings and manage what he has given us. In Genesis chapter 1, it says this. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and over the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said... Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the air, over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then there's this beautiful, beautiful expression here. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree 
that has fruit and seed in it. They will be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth and to the birds in the sky and the creatures that move along the ground. Everything that has breath of life in it. I give you every green plant for food and so it was. God saw that all he had made and it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. See, God, right from the start, he put creativity, he put potential into the hands of Adam and Eve. And right from the start, this idea that they were to steward, to manage, to foster, to look after, to help recreate and create, they were basically to continue what God had started. So that is why we see, when we see an apple, what do we just see? Can we see beyond this is just a food for me or it's food for a nation? See, stewardship isn't just about what we do with 10% of our money. Stewardship is everything that we are. And it's about everything that is going on in the planet. A steward is one who manages the possessions of another in alignment with who they are and what is important to them. That is what a good steward is. A good steward is aligned to what the master is all about. So we met this week with Chloe. And Chloe has done his incredible job of connecting with people who were coming out of addiction into freedom. And Chloe is just a wonderful steward of all that God has put in her. And it was just a joy, a humbling joy, to be with her and watching her engage. Now, she has been paid to do a job by unity. And unity have certain values and a vision for the work. And when I was with Chloe, with Miriam, I just saw Chloe stewarding well what unity had given her. She was aligned to the vision and the values. And what I'm saying here and now is a good steward is aligned to the master's dream, his vision, his agenda, and his purpose. See, God is very precious over his brand. He is very precious over this planet and he's very precious over you. So we are called to steward well the resources, the abilities, the opportunities that God has entrusted to you. So for some of us, uh, stewardship has just been a small thing. It's like steward our money. Or steward nearly a a practical involvement. Or steward um, a a simple lifestyle. Or steward environmental issues. In steward social action. Or steward public speaking. Or speaking about Jesus. But when we take a step back, we realize that stewardship is ultimately about bringing all that God has given and giving it all back to him in worship. So this is why we don't talk about small amounts of money here, about this is what it's all about. Ultimately, what we're talking about in money is about worship. 
See, God wants us to capture a bigger vision for what it means to be his steward on this planet for such a time as this. Biblical steward is about whole life discipleship that embraces every part of who we are, what we have and what we do. It's a coming together. It's a smoothie mix, not a compartmentalization thing going on in our lives, but a smoothie mix of our money, of our work, of our passion and compassion, of what God has given us and what God has gifted us in and our skills with an understanding it's all from God. So it's all for him. That's what it means to be a steward. So let me say again, what has God put in your hand? He has taken time to uniquely give you something in your hand. And he is wondering what you're going to do with it. So what is in your hand? Is it money? I mean, some of us in the room, he's given us the ability to make money. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 says this. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So there's people in the room now, and in your hand, you've got this ability to make wealth. And I just want you to take a step back and go, wow, it's from him. So it's for him. But this is not the money talk. This is a stewardship talk. So this may be in your hand right now. I, I don't have money. I've got a tennis racket. Harry, you're a gift and you've been given a gift. I know this is a hockey thing. <laughs> I'm like, ah, ah, ah. But what is in your hand is a gift. And Harry, the adventure ahead of you is going to involve some bright lights. But we, as your family here, we are championing you on. We are cheering you on, like your mum and dad have done for so long, as long with your family. And we stand here and we cheer you on. In the practice when nobody else is watching, and in the public arena, we cheer you on. And we stand with you, and we pray for you, and we shout over you that God has put something in your hand, but it's for him. So God bless you, Harry, in what God has given you. So what has God given you? What has God put in your hand that is ultimately for him? And this beautiful thing is, I don't know why he's done this, but God, (laughs) I thought you were waving. (laughs) But I said to Ro, tell me when it's five minutes. I'm like, oh, that's what it is. Okay, let me read this. The parable of the bag of gold. Again, it was like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag. Five, two, one each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put all his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. 
But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled the accounts with them. The man who received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more for you. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with the few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Let me just pause there. As I was praying about this in the week, some of you have been faithful in the small things, but the many hasn't come. You've been faithful in the small and you're still waiting for the more. God has not forgotten you. He, he doesn't, that's not, it's not who he is. So if that is you, you feel like, God, I have been, I have been faithful in the small. And I want to, oh man, if you're really hungry for this more, then you'll want to stand now, right now for us to pray for you. Is there anybody in the room where you feel like, God, I've been faithful in the small, but I've been waiting for the more? God, I've been faithful when nobody else is watching. Father, I thank you for their hunger and I honor them right now. And Holy Spirit, would you just come and rest upon each and every one of them now? Yeah, we thank you that you have more for us. If you're next to somebody... Would you just, and they're standing, would you just lay a hand on them? Phil, Helen, just behind you there. Just stand with them. And just pray. You just pray for them now. Just pray your very best prayer. Just pray God for them. God for them. Fill them up. And give them more. God says to you, well done. Thank you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you for being faithful in the small when nobody's been watching. Yeah, bless them. Yeah, bless them. And we... Pray for promotion and favor and all that upon them there. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And um, yeah, walk. let's walk with people on this as well. So let me just uh, conclude on this. Um, so well done for being faithful in this small. It says this, The man who received one bag of gold came back, Master, I know you're a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, this is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gathered where I've not scattered seed? Why then? You should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. 
So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. So for whoever has will be given more, for they will have abundance. Whoever does not have, even when they have, will be taken from them. On one reading of this passage, you may just think this is unfair. It doesn't feel fair. But this is not about fairness. This is about activating what God has put in your hand. So God has got something for you which is so big it cannot be contained by your hand. Let me just conclude. Have I said that twice now? See, God has given each of us in this room enough so we can make more. I'm not just talking about money there, but money's part of that. But God has given you enough so that you can make an imprint for the kingdom. For those of us who stewarded well, the Father has more in store. Stewardship is the touch point between heaven and earth. And you are that touch point. So whether it is the tennis or the money, whatever that is, your gift the Father has given you is the connection point between heaven and earth. Why would anybody think our heavenly Father is generous if all his people are mean? Okay, Rob. I think no matter what we're talking about, everything comes back to Jesus, doesn't it? And centering our lives around Jesus. And when we center our lives around the Lordship of Jesus, everything changes, doesn't it? And just as um, we're praying through this week, I was just saying to Andy yesterday, I was just reminded of of the scripture in Luke, um, when Jesus gathers his disciples to have the final meal with them, doesn't he? And he says, I want you to regularly take bread, and I want you to break it, and I want you to remember my body as a sacrifice. I want you to drink the wine. I want you to remember... My my life-giving blood that I've shed for you, I want you to remember. And I was really struck in my heart and my head of this remember. And it's almost like when you take a fiver out of your pocket, remember who gives you the fiver. When you eat something, remember who gives you the food. Remember is just that act of coming and re-centralizing our lives around Jesus. And I just think this massive thing with, with finance, like it's, it's almost a deal breaker for some people, right? Because it's the one area sometimes that we want to hold back from Jesus. And we're like, actually, look, I'll take control of that, mate. Okay, because I'm probably better at it than you. So if I take that section, but then that means that we are neglecting Jesus from being Lord of our lives in that area. And you know what? Maybe it's not finance for you. Maybe it's about relationships. Maybe it's about friendships. Maybe it's about your work life. Maybe there's something else which is just holding you back from making Jesus central of everything that you are. Now, communion is this beautiful thing where we're just going to recenter our lives around Jesus. And you know, one of the things that strikes me is often, I don't know about you, but communion, even when you say the word, there's almost like a funeral-like service thing that comes over us, where we're like, 
But that's not the point of communion. Communion is to raise our eyes to say, you're the one who has given me new life. You're the one who has given me a fresh star. You're the one that I get to recenter my life around. You're the one that no matter what I've done, no matter how far I've run, I can come back to you and recenter everything around you. And there is never, ever, ever going to be an end to the fresh starts. How cool is that? So communion is this beautiful point where we as family, if we want to, if we believe that Jesus shed his blood for us to give us new life, if we believe that his body was broken for us so we could see life and life never ending, this is our point to come and remember, remember that, that there is life overflowing and abundant. Life is not a static and a boring thing. There is adventure to be had because Jesus died and rose again. And this is our act of remembering this moment. So for some of you, as you take the wine, as you eat the bread, you need to remember that he is king of your finances. And you need to remember that there is hope where you feel hopelessness. For some of you, you've been grieving for a long time and the Father wants to come and meet you and say, I want to comfort you in a way you've never known before. I want to meet you at this place right now. I want to meet you in a beautiful way. So what we're just going to do is I'm maybe going to ask Steffi, if that's okay, to come and she's just going to play something over us. I'm going to invite us all to stand up just now. We're all going to pray. Some of you, you might need to, you, you want to head off just now. That's okay. Um, but what we're just going to do is invite you to come down. We're going to break this bread. There's wine over here um, beside Jocelyn Abbey. So we'll all be over this side of the, of the building here. And just as we worship, come down when you're ready. And just come in and take the bread, drink the wine. And remember all that Jesus means to you. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for who you are. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Remember that I am the one who can always be trusted, he says. Remember that my hope is never ending. Remember that I want to bring courage to your soul if you're so discouraged. Remember that I see you. I see you. I know you. I choose to love you. The Father, he says that to each one of us. I choose to love you. You are not a mistake. I choose to love you, to call you my son and my daughter. I did this for you. So Holy Spirit, would you make yourself so apparent to us? Some of us just need to stand and to receive a little fresh power from Jesus right now. Come, Lord Jesus.
welcome, welcome. Welcome is just simply we come. We don't come now in our own strength, we come in His strength. So come share. Come share in the bread and wine, just a reminder of His goodness. Reminder of the death that He died, the blood that was shed. So we get to go free. Lives abandoned, reckless for Him. Come. Come. Just come. I just felt there's a couple of people here that Jesus wants to speak to individually and he gave me a couple of pictures for them and the first one's a man and I just felt that Jesus gave me this picture of a a nut and I don't mean the sort of nut that you can eat and that grows on trees but a big metal nut, the sort that goes on a bolt and as I looked at this picture a spanner was put on this nut and it was tightened up I just feel Jesus wants to say to you that you don't know me and you're not sure at the moment where I fit in your life. But I just want to say to you that I am the perfect fit for your life. I'm that spanner that fits. I'm that spanner that tightens things, that brings security, that brings meaning, that puts your life together. 
So Jesus just wants to say to you, I'm the perfect fit for your life. If you're wondering where I fit into your life, the answer is I become crucial to your life. I'm what brings security, what brings stability, and I'm waiting for you to respond. If you are here with somebody who you know loves Jesus, speak to them about this, or just do business with him on your own. And I also felt that there's a lady here who Jesus wants to speak to, and you you know Jesus already, but I just had this picture of a pony in a field, and it's possible that you actually had a pony when you were younger, or you were a rider, I don't know, but I just felt that in this picture, the pony was, you know, con- confined in a sense to this field, it was secure in the field, it was familiar, this was a pony that didn't get much exercise, that that sort of never really went anywhere in that sense it was more of a pet (laughs) but I think Jesus wants to say actually you know I'm going to open the gate to the field and you know if you will respond and come then there's a time when you can you can take to the highway when you can gallop across the moor when you don't have to be contained to this field but you know Jesus is gentle the Holy Spirit is gentle he doesn't sort of drive you out of the gate he's not going to sort of stick a spur in you until you come out but he's he's opening that gate for you and he's saying come with me there's there's more to this life with me there's excitement there's adventure yes there's risk but there's there's such a lot more to see come gallop with me come explore the highways with me come see new horizons with me don't don't just stay in the familiar and comfortable field Thanks. So how do we live a life? How do we live a life that reflects the Father well? Well, it starts and it ends here at the cross. The place we bring our brokenness, and it's the best exchange, right? We bring our brokenness and we receive healing and wholeness. But we don't stay at the cross, we run from the cross to an isolated, broken, hurting world. And we steward well what the Father has put in each and every one of us. So we commission you now to go bring life in the fullness. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits and the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs and square holes, the ones who see things differently. You're not fond of rules. You've got no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. But the only thing you cannot do is ignore them. Because they change things. 
they push the human race forward. And while some say crazy, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. So each one, use whatever gift the Father's given you for him and his glory. So go now in fierce generosity, heavenly wisdom, and build something that can last forever. In Jesus' name, amen.